When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. We've been talking today about uh, ranking the days of the week. I knew there would be a Sunday-Friday debate. I had no idea that Jay Will would put Friday ahead of Saturday. Yeah, Friday was number one for me. But Jay does not enjoy life, so he but, but just I likes do, anticipation. I, I do enjoy life, but... As See, caller, I like actually experiencing I, life. I don't just need to anticipate it. No, 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 no. I experience life. It, it, what happens on Friday. More than I do, in fact. The anticipation yes. of the two-day time off mm-hmm. is what sets the tone in my brain. Jay has to work with me all week, so he's like, the anticipation <laughs> of, of not having Max to hear Kellerman. this dude yell at me for, two, for four hours a day. Oh, oh I can't wait. The text chain is going on. Everybody's like, where's Jay? I'm like, I'll see you guys on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you know. So, listen. I've called live events at the highest level, Jay. HBO Boxing back in the day, ESPN now. And um, as someone who did it for a living, like when I was doing it ringside, I can tell you that you pay attention to people in other sports at times. You just enjoy them as a fan and see and say, yeah, I kind of do a similar job. Um, I, I'd never really focused on how great Vin Scully was before I moved to L.A. because I know he's a, he's a broadcaster. I know Dodgers fans love him like everyone. You know, Yankees fans love Phil Rizzuto and this one, that one. <clears throat> different fans of different teams love the hometown voice. And everyone swore by Vin Scully, who listened to Dodgers games growing up, and like as a, as a thing, regularly. And I felt like almost, I didn't see The Wire when it first came out, because everyone started talking about how great it was, and like everyone from every walk of life. So I'm like, okay, everyone has to, like, come on, man, it's not like this. They must be wrong. I saw it at this point probably 10 years ago. Greatest TV show. Ever made, not close, not close. The Wire's number one by so much it's embarrassing. And Vin Scully, when I finally really started paying attention, it was the same thing. He was so great, it's hard to describe. And in descri- and, and if you listen to highlights and you're going to listen to Jeremy Schapp do a piece, he did a great job, but you're, you're playing highlights because you necessarily have to, right, when you are condensing something and remembering someone. But everyone can do highlights, what made Vin Scully incredible was that by himself, he could take you through the broadcast of a game and enhance it. He'd be telling stories, he, and it was easy. He would, he, it was such a pleasure to listen to. Not miss a single play. Be right on it. Not be intrusive. He would, it's almost like, a, like the way I, I measure rappers, for example, or singers. You have an incredible track. When they get on it, do they make it better? Or maybe you'd rather listen to the instrumental. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Vin Scully made everything better. He was the best I ever heard. This is Jeremy Schapp remembering Vin Scully. Vin Scully called the NFL. Montana. Looking, looking, throwing in the end zone. 
and golf. Welcome to the final round of the 1982 Masters. But baseball was his domain. Between pitches, his gifts as a storyteller were on full display. In 1950, when he was just 22, Scully joined the Brooklyn Dodgers broadcast team, working alongside his mentor, Red Barber. The Dodgers of that time were among the best-loved and most gifted teams ever. Jackie Robinson, Duke Snyder, Roy Campanella, Gil Hodges, and Pee Wee Reese provided rich material for the young announcer. So did Johnny Padres, who shut out the Yankees in Game 7 of the 1955 World Series to give Brooklyn its only world championship. In October 1956, Scully called the only World Series no-hitter ever, Don Larson's perfect game against the Dodgers at Yankee Stadium. Got it! Just over a year later, the Dodgers relocated to L.A. Scully went west with them. He called Sandy Koufax's perfect game in 1965. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung out and missed a perfect game. And Dennis Martinez's in 1991. Over the course of nearly 60 years in L.A. until his retirement in 2016, Scully called thousands of L.A. Dodgers games, either on television, or radio, or both. Believe me when I tell you, I've needed you far more than you needed me. You talk about Dodger tradition, Vince Scully, the greatest announcer in, the, in this country. You talk about cut his heart open, you'll see Dodger tattooed on that heart, too. As the lead play-by-play announcer for both CBS and later NBC on their national baseball broadcast, Scully would see his audience extend far beyond Southern California. He was, for instance, the man who described to millions the crucial play in Game 6 of the 1986 World Series. Scully's voice beautifully accompanied the highlights of October, but it was his remarkable radio call of a home run in a game played on April 8, 1974, that best demonstrates his unique brand of genius. I was listening that night. I don't even know the words now, but when the ball disappeared, Vin Scully stood up and turned his back on the action on the field so that he wouldn't be tempted to intrude. What a lesson for all of us. With intelligence, impartiality, enthusiasm, and at the same time restraint, Vin Scully was the fan's ideal companion for thousands of games. In an age when so many announcers are so eager to draw attention to themselves, he knew when to assert himself and went to stand aside to allow the moment to speak for itself. That was, um, as I said, guys, Vin, it's hard to do it with highlights because he was about, it wasn't about everyone, like a lot of people do great highlights. He, it was about the experience of watching the game, listening to Vin Scully or listening to Vin Scully's call of the game. The entire thing by himself was entertaining it engrossing it, it, you felt like it was like enriching and 
and unintrusive and it was just an amazing experience listening to this guy. You know, yeah. Max Aaron, I was going to say. Yeah, and I, and I, I just want to bring up some of the highlights. I know he was more than just that, but when you think about iconic moments in, like, sports history, you think about the catch and the 1981 NFC Championship game, Joe Montana going back and scrambling and finds Dwight Clark in the back of the end zone. You think about Hank Aaron hitting home run number 715. All both of those things were called by – Vin, man. You know what I mean? And, and it's Vin Scully is an icon, and he's who we all aspire to, to, to be. Um, he did this for 65-plus years. 65-plus years. Think about that now. That is an entire lifetime, and for him to live a wonderful life, and it's something he loved and enjoyed, and it never felt like – I'm pretty sure it never felt like he was actually going to work, and he had fun, and he enjoyed it, but it, it, it's, it's an honor. Um, to to hear his voice across airwaves, or and especially when it comes to iconic iconic moments in sports, sixty seven year career, sixty seven years mastering your craft, and Max, you said something in the intro that I think really sticks with me. I call games for my first seven years here at ESPN, ESPN U games, and one of the details that you learn quickly is it's about the game, it's not about you. And a lot of times, too, you're so used to using your eyes visually to be descriptive that sometimes you take away another sensory in listening and hearing people tell stories about in big moments, Ben Scully turning his back to the actual game and painting a picture for you visually about what he hears or just the ability to lay out of a moment and let you react to the energy that you feel from the crowd. That's a gift. And, and you talk about that 715 by Hank Aaron. You know, being there for that iconic moment is one thing. Being descriptive mm-hmm. of that moment and how descriptive you are being. And the words he said that day, for me, hearing that and reading about it, a black man is getting a standing ovation in the deep south for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. What a marvelous moment for baseball. Being able to come up with something like that in that moment showing the depth of that meaningful imprint on the game of baseball, like, that's impressive, yeah, man. That, that's nothing you can script huh. either, though. Like, that that has to come off the top of the head and, and feeling the crowd and feeling the moment and understanding uh, where the country was at that time as well. All those things put into one, and you can't script greatness. I just don't think you can. No, Max, and it's so much bigger than the sport, right? I mean, he's called a multitude of sports, but how you call those sports and what feeling you give to the fan listening to that sport being called. There's something about Ben Scully that always, I'm not even from LA, right? I'm from Jersey. But every time I heard his voice, understanding his history from Brooklyn, being born and raised in the Bronx, it felt like I was listening to somebody at home. It made me feel like I was at home. It was that comfortable. The, the kind of relationship the fans have with broadcasters of their local team, particularly baseball, because it is every day, is one that, even though it sounds silly, but you spend so many, really thousands of hours listening, and through your formative years, and as you're, you're, you're deepening your relationship with family members and friends, and it, it's like part of the soundtrack of your life, and you feel like they're part of your family. Buster Olney, ESPN Baseball Insider, with us now. Buster, I was explaining earlier that Vin's genius, I think he's the best who ever did it, 
is not about the highlight moments that he's called, although he was great at that. It's about the orchestration of the composi- of the entire broadcast by himself, entertaining. Uh, uh, as I said, like enriching. You felt um, uh, the storytelling, not missing a beat of action, not being intrusive, just making you feel good. What was you? But but you know when we remember people, we do boil it down oftentimes to memories of moments. What was your favorite? Well, I grew up a huge Dodger fan in central Vermont, uh, and we didn't have a television. And I actually had read about his uh, broadcasting. I didn't hear it for the first time until I got an LP off of a Dodgers championship season, and it really felt like I was hearing the voice of a baseball god. I was afraid of him. Like I, I, w- I would steer around him, and I'm not starstruck around players at all, uh, but around Vin, I, 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 not until his last year was the, as a broadcaster did I ever speak to him. Uh, the way you guys have described him is absolutely perfect. He was perfect for baseball with the pacing, with the storytelling, the deference to the players and the crowd, uh, you know, laying out for 68 seconds when Kirk Gibson hit that home run in 1988, which for me will always be the moment that I'll remember with him. Uh, the way that he understood that the story in that moment was the fans reacting to Kirk Gibson as he limped around the bases. Uh, he, he was just remarkable, and it was always funny to hear other broadcasters, you know, Dan Schulman, uh, you know, Carl Ravitch, others talk about how it was like Vin was connected with the baseball gods in this way as he told the story. If he needed another foul ball, to complete his story in a perfect way, that would happen. It always felt like he had that sort of connection to what was going on. Jay, I loved your story about how he handled and encapsulated that moment when Henry Aaron broke Babe Ruth's record. That that was perfect. You know, Buster, I I often say it's um, for certain people in this industry, the feeling you leave me with in monumental moments changes my perspective in life. And I feel like, uh, you know, being a student of this industry for so long, listening to Vin Scully, even not being the biggest of baseball fans, but being a Vin Scully fan has forever left an imprint in my brain about the altitude of success that I would like to achieve. It was so inspirational. Even his goodbye, Buster, like his goodbye was so unique and beautiful in the way he delivered it. His cadence was so extraordinary. That's exactly right. Uh, and I loved Oral Hershiser's story about how when the Dodgers fans recently voted on their Mount Rushmore, of course they had Sandy Koufax. Of course they had Jackie Robinson. And they also had Vince Scully among the four. I mean, think about that. Uh, and Max, you're exactly right. That You know, what's unique about baseball broadcasters is they are invited into the homes of fans every single day. They become part of the family. They become part of the fabric. And that's why he ascended to a place that, look, no other broadcaster will, will match. You guys have seen the, the tributes from other broadcasters saying he set a standard uh, that uh, for all time. I, I mean, he is the, the Tom Brady, the Michael Jordan of what he did, plus 50 years you know, to do that for 67 years. Uh, it's just uh, what what a remarkable man, what a re- remarkable career that he had. Buster, how did you wind up a crazy Dodgers fan in central Vermont? 
because I read a book on Sandy Koufax when I was eight years old in my first little league team in Woodstock, Vermont, was the Dodgers. And so that that cemented it for me. And there have been two times when I've been starstruck. One was meeting Sandy Koufax for the first time, which was like six, seven years ago. And it was the first time I spoke with Vince Scully, which was in his last year. I was afraid of him. I was sincerely afraid of him. And then he came on my podcast and spoke to me, you know, as if I was a peer, which was ridiculous. And he treated me, uh, you know, in a way that I'd always heard about. He treated everybody. He he was so respectful. He was so nice. He was so helpful. uh, But I was sincerely afraid of him because of that preeminence that we've been talking about. Buster, I want to shift things a little bit. Um, we had something major happen in baseball yesterday. Juan Soto, the, the young phenom, was traded to the Padres. Where, where does this put the San Diego Padres in the National League? I think it puts them in, it vaults them into the group of the four elite, now four elite teams in the National League. Uh, the Braves are already there, defending champions. The Dodgers, who basically have dominated the regular seasons in the National League for you know, six, seven years, they're there. The Mets are. Uh, Jacob deGrom are turning the rotation last night. And now you can envision that in a big series in October, the Padres can beat any one of those three teams. Uh, you know, their big X factor going forward is Fernando Tatis Jr. When he returns in the next two weeks uh, from his broken wrist, how effective will he be? But Juan Soto, you know, as I've said in, in the past, you know, getting him is like getting Willie Mays in 1955. It's like getting Henry Aaron in 1958. He's a guy in October can beat great pitchers in big moments in a way that few hitters can. And so uh, when the Padres get into the postseason with excellent starting pitching, Josh Hader is the closer now, Juan Soto presumably hitting second for them. That puts them in that uh, elite realm of National League teams. So when you look at the Padres and how they're constructed now, uh, is it fair to say they have great complementary pieces to go along with those three guys, or do they, do they need a little bit more? to make it this year? No, they could absolutely win this year because, you know, when you have you, you Darvish and Joe Musgrove, uh, you know, other pieces in their rotation, they can beat those teams. And Soto is going to be, uh, with all due respect to Freddie Freeman and others, Soto is the best hitter uh, in, in the National League when you're talking about the elite teams. They could absolutely beat them. And I, what I love, too, you know, we've been talking so much in recent years in baseball about tanking. How about the owner of the Padres, Peter Seidler, basically saying, I want to win a championship for this city. I'm not going to worry about, uh, you know, payroll level and whether or not it fits the revenue stream that I have with this small market. I'm going to go and try to win very much in the way that Mike Illich did when he owned the Tigers. That's really cool that Jack actually have an owner who's doing everything he can to have his team try to win. Russell Oney, ESPN Baseball Insider, joining us here on Keyshawn J. Will and Max Harry Douglas, filling in for Keyshawn Johnson today. Buster, I, I want to transition a little bit to uh, New York. Uh, if you don't know this, I've, I've become a Mets fan, which is to the chagrin of Max. It, it really irks him every single day. But I, I was fascinated the other day. I heard Billy Epler speak from the Mets saying about the price point was too high to add a lefty reliever at the deadline. Were you surprised that the Mets you know, didn't really – do more at the deadline? Yeah, and it's it's been interesting because the reaction of a lot of Mets fans is, boy, I, you know, how come we didn't go out and get the big piece? Uh, you know, they get the richest owner in baseball, Steve Cohen. Here's the thing, uh, and I had this conversation with Buck Showalter, their manager, a couple weeks ago where we were talking about left-handed relievers. And because of the three-batter rule, 
uh, how few uh, really attractive left-handed relievers there actually are in baseball. Because, yeah, to, you can match up that lefty against a Juan Soto, but then potentially you've got the two right-handers who, faced, uh, who follow that hitter. And that means that there are just not that many options out there in the marketplace. So in the end, it didn't surprise me that they uh, didn't land a left-hander that they were looking for. I actually think they did fine in the trade market. They added Daniel Volgebach. Uh, they got Michael Givens from the Cubs yesterday. Um, you know, Tyler Naquin, they added to their depth. And let's face it, when we talk about the Mets and what they're going to accomplish, it's going to come down to Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer. Yeah, sure. uh, you know, potentially beating the Dodgers or the Braves or the Padres in a short series. And they can do that. Um, and, and with DeGrom, you know, who made his first start last night in a year and a month in, a, in a, his first start in a big league game, it's not only about how he feels when he's pitching, but how does he feel today? Because mm. that's the big question. Can he stay healthy through the month of October? Yeah, by the way, that three batter rule is why when you have two 23-year-olds, like, I mean, Machado is great in, in, for, the, for the Padres, but a lot of his value is wrapped up in his defense. Most teams have a guy who can hit like Machado in the middle of their lineup. Um, the fact that you have a lefty righty, and I would imagine it's going to be Tatis leading off and Soto hitting second, yeah. or something, right? And then Machado, who's still a middle of the order bat, and then Josh Bell, who, if they keep him next year, might have 160 ribbies. Oh my God! A lefty righty Tatis. Not since A Rod and 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 Griffey have you had something like that with two young players and they're the same age. Uh, how much did the Yankees improve themselves, Buster? This is the real important question everyone wants to know about the twenty-seven time world champion, New York Yankees, greatest team in the history of world sports. How much did they improve themselves? I really like the addition of Andrew Benatendi and Frankie Montas. They're sort of classic Cashman additions. Smart moves, relatively low cost, nice players, but not the kind of hammer at the top of the rotation. This is not Verlander. This is not Juan Soto. These are nice pieces that didn't cost too much. How much did they improve themselves? Well, and let's be honest, there was really only one hammer that was available, and that was Luis Castillo, who went to the Mariners, an all-star right-hander the Yankees just saw, and I know from talking with the Yankee people, after they saw what the Mariners paid for him, which basically giving away the top of their farm system, the Yankees were like, okay, the Mariners' offer was better than ours. Yeah, and by the um, way, Montas is kind past- of a nice approximation of, of Castillo. He, he could be. You know, the question is whether or not he's healthy. But what the, the religion that the Yankees have found in the last year is investing in defense. They markedly improved their infield defense uh, during the course of the offseason. They devoted their catching to two great defenders – and now with their outfield, with the addition of Ben Attendi, gold glove left fielder, and Harrison Bader, who's uh, an elite center fielder, you know, that pushes Aaron Judge to right field. That is a shutdown, lockdown defense, and that's going to help the pitching. I actually think the Yankees did, uh, did well in improving. Did they separate themselves from the Astros? No. But I think they're better than they were before we went to the deadline. The Hader move is really interesting. He is a great defensive center fielder but they gave up a lefty from the farm system who is one of the more consistent starters in baseball when healthy, and they got back a guy who cannot hit. He can pick it, but he can't hit. This is going to be interesting. It's not a challenge trade exactly, but there's something in it that says a challenge to me. Anyway, Buster Olney, ESPN Baseball Insider. Thank you as always, Buster. Appreciate you, Buster. Thanks. Boy, he said he was trying to say thanks, and someone just cut him off. Uh, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Jay, why one person thinks Odell Beckham Jr. needs to be a cowboy? G-Sean, Jay, Will, and Max, the podcast.
Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Yes, we are different from most shows because we call the exact same game something else. <laughs> uh, don't give away all of the secrets, Max. <laughs> thumbs up or thumbs down? He's, True or false? He's weak right now. Real he's or not real? Right. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN front office insider, was on Get Up. And this just in yesterday. Let me ask you something. Hey, screeners at ESPN. Oh. He said the same thing on this just in. That's my show. We never play it from this just in. Guess Get Up's host is more handsome. Ooh. More handsome than look, Now look, hold on a second. You guys Greenberg, have been confused Greenberg before. must be a handsome guy because people say that we look alike. But more <laughs> handsome than me? I didn't think there was such a thing. The, so listen to this. He's, <laughs> he's talking about the Cowboys and OBJ. Listen to Mike Tannenbaum. I want to control his rehab. I want him to learn the offense so he can hit the ground running. And in all seriousness, guys, I got to think that Aaron Rodgers – is reminding the Green Bay Packer front office about OBJ. And let's face it, Van Jefferson just had knee surgery yesterday for the Rams. He obviously won a title there. I'm sure they're still very much in the mix. So if I'm Dallas, there was a big sense of urgency beforehand. But as Lewis pointed out, losing James Washington, I, if I'm Jerry Jones, I am all over OBJ right now. Pat Costello, it is time to play real or not real. Why don't you take it away? All right, guys, real or not real, these teams need to sign OBJ. Need to sign OBJ. Real or not real, the Cowboys. Harry, let's start with you. Uh, I think need is an understatement. They they, they, they really, really probably want uh, OBJ. So I don't understand the owner of the team, Jerry Jones, saying that we're not looking to sign a veteran or anybody like that. Huh, have you looked at your roster? Yeah. I you mean, just had James Washington go down, and CeeDee Lamb is the only other receiver right there. Michael Gallup, he, he tore his ACL in January. Emmanuel Sanders is still out there. Yep. That's a thought. Uh, you could revisit if you want to, which would be great for us. Cole Beasley, Ooh. which would be interesting. But I, look, I, I think for OBJ, I think that's real. The Cowboys need help, obviously, in having a veteran, experienced person on that roster. Even when he comes back off that ACL tear, it's worth having. Real. When OBJ is healthy, he's a number one receiver. Just because he hasn't been that recently because of injuries, new teams, whatever, he's a number one receiver on most teams in the NFL. On most teams, he's and he's not number one because he would be the best receiver. He's legit number one. He was going to be Super Bowl MVP. 
The Cowboys, by the way, the best point Mike Tannenbaum made yesterday on this just in, 2 p.m. Eastern ESPN, is, <laughs> handsome host, is think about that deal for Amari Cooper now. Think of what happened to the wide receiver market. Jerry Jones traded Amari Cooper, who was making $20 million, which is half of what the top guys are making almost, for a fifth-round pick. And now look at that receiving Amari Cooper, uh, uh, C.D. Lamb, Gallup. Oh, it's an embarrassment of riches. And now it's just an embarrassment. Cedric Wilson also. He's Cedric now in, was, with, the, with the Dolphins. You need now. OBJ on the Cowboys. Real. The thing is, do OGB, o, o, uh, OBJ. Odell Beckham Jr., does he want to go to Dallas? Right. That's the thing there. Yeah. The Rams. Real or not real, the Rams need to sign OBJ. Jay, let's start with you. I for me, frankly, with the way I've seen them run the organization, I would I would say real just because I think there is loyalty for Sean McVay and you know, OBJ coming to his wedding. And I'm not saying that's the reason why you sign anybody, but I think the commitment that OBJ has shown to that team, uh, what the, the work he put in last year before he got hurt that led them to being Super Bowl champions, I think he is part of the fabric of the Rams moving forward. I would say real. Yeah, I'm going to go real as well. When you look at Cooper Cup, um, who, who played outstanding last year, Super Bowl MVP, how he embraced Oda Beckham Jr. and how those guys' relationship uh, continued to grow as he was there. And you look at Matthew Stafford, uh, basically showed the Cleveland Browns, like, hey, you know, you wasn't doing it the right way. Mm-hmm. You just got to feature the guy. You got to give him an opportunity. You got to give him, give him those chances. And OD... Oh, oh, Odell Beckham Jr. had a piece of... So I always was to call him ODB. <laughs> By the way, I he should have just called Old himself dirty. Odell Beckham, ODB. He should have done it, man. Just do it. Old dirty. But you, you think about the peace of mind that he had last year, being dirty. in L.A., being with the Rams, man. That's something that a lot of people need to take more seriously. I think more so than anything, the peace of mind that he had being with that organization. Uh, real. The Rams, by the way, they got their elite, when he's healthy, running back, Coming up, who's going to have a Cam Akers probably going to have a big season, and you have Cooper Cup, and if you add Odell to that, keep that where it is. Plus with the Alan running Robinson? game that's better with Allen Robinson. with Robinson and everyone coming oh. back. The Rams will repeat as Super Bowl champs. Yeah, I would say real. All right, one more here quickly, fellas. The Ravens need to sign OBJ. Real or not real, Harry? Uh, this is real. The thing, I don't think uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is going all the way to Baltimore in that cold weather. In that offense to want to play uh, in that system, though. But do they need him? Yes, they do. So this is real. Yeah, it's easily real. I mean, look, how long have we been campaigning nationally for Lamar Jackson to have a QB1? Wow, why did my voice make it sound like a robot? That was impressive. I just did that naturally on the fly. If he had a wide receiver one, like like an OBJ, yeah. I think it's a different scenario. They've never had a guy like that. I just don't think Odell is going to go from 90210 to the wire. I don't Thanks. think he's going from L.A. to, to Baltimore. You was a robot just then, too. 902, I know. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't Williams, hear it. Hello. No, it was quick. It was quick. Yeah, it was quick. quick. Really? Yeah. 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 What's going on? Something with the, something with the feed or something? I don't Yates is messing around with Yates, the what are you doing? Are, are you, you guys doing? actually just robots? Wait, watch. Watch this. We can make uh, Yates make us sound like robots. Intergalactic planetary nice. planet. All right. How do you what do that? is the goat day of the week? G-Sean, J-Will, and Max, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. 
Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. So uh, Jay is over there exchanging COVID with Isabella or something. What are you guys doing? Playing chess? What? Always, always uh, in, you know, playing chess over a small board. You don't need to be right there with the thing. Do you play chess still? I, no, I, I used to. I used to be good, too. Uh, Harry, do you play chess? No, I don't. Yeah. It's a, it's I have a, no it's patience or imagination anymore Why? for chess. Chess, you, I got into chess. See, here's, you, here's what it is. Before you go into one yeah. of your long-winded stories, yes, like you naturally did. Yes, um, I was about to. Yeah, yeah. Phil Jackson. Just pretend it's already over. Go ahead. <laughs> And now you're illuminated, yes. Bill Jackson talks a lot about chess. He actually mm-hmm. uses a lot of the same principles yes. and some of the strategies that he's happened in the 90s Bulls team. That's all. Now you can go on with your story. Yo, <laughs> y'all, y'all have to be. It's like little brother, big <laughs> brother going at each other like every day. It's hilarious to oh, me. So. I literally sent him a text. I'm like, can you stop with all I the rich stories, I can't stop laughing, though. Well, why would you say that on the air? Why would you say that on the air? I was just going to stop, and now <laughs> you know, said it on the air. I had to say it. It was embarrassing. Like, you got people thinking I have yachts. I don't. I don't barely swim. I'm not going to talk about anything. I'm not saying anything. I'm, you you asked me friend. to lay off. I'm not saying at, my lips are sealed about anything yeah. like the yachts or the planes. Nothing like that. You know, so, much so much for my damn braves. So much for my damn braves now. Um, <laughs> what are we talking baseball? <laughs> we're supposed Who to. Wants to talk about the braves. We're, we're supposed to. Y'all up here talking about chess, big no, brother, right, little we'll talk brother. Talk about the this, before we talk about this. the braves. No, did they win last night? Uh, no, it, they did not. But the braves did. Who has it? Who has a lead? Oh, uh, just two and a half games. Okay, but who has the lead? Just two and a half games. Thank you. Mm, There's an old uh, about chess. Here comes There's the story. an old. No, this is a different story. I'm not even going to tell that story. Another I'm going to pretend I already told it. Damn, Max. There's an old <laughs> Yiddish saying about chess, and I'm trying to remember how it goes, but it's something like but it's, something it's like too this. serious. It's too serious to be a game and too much of a game to take it serious. Like in other words, like you, in order to get really good at chess, it kind of takes over your life. It takes practice. Well, anything, Max. To be good at anything, it takes. Whenever I'm, right. whatever I'm not right. supposed to be doing, nice. I'm very drawn to that thing. So when I was in college, <laughs> I used to cut class and go play chess in the park all day, read chess books, and and like implement really more philosophy than than specific strategies, uh, which is a fascinating. Did game. your teacher and ever it, yell at you for cutting class? 
Teacher? You have professors in college. Uh, professor. Yeah. Well, Pat Costello's like our. Oh, no, you go to just skip a lecture, me. and I like the lectures, but I got super into <laughs> chess. There goes the Big Brother thing again. Yeah. Oh, the teachers in college. Oh, we have professors. Wait, they're professors <laughs> in college at Columbia. At Columbia. At I don't Columbia. know what you have at Duke. <laughs> He's like, I call them coaches. No, no, Jay. That's when you were playing basketball. Oh, no, man. I called them layups. Keyshawn, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jay, Will, and Max, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Oh! Woo! Yates, you're talking my language. Bow, now, 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 now. Um, Just like days of the week, music. Jay. Days of the week. I thought th- I thought the argument would come down to Friday versus Sunday for second best day of the week, but Jay has argued Friday over Saturday because Jay's actual experience is not so much, but the anticipation he likes a lot. <laughs> it's the thought of what it's going to be, Max. I see. That's everything. Rather drive to her house than be at the house because you have to leave soon. That's <laughs> no, up to you. I'm already at the house on Saturday. Sunday, yeah, I'm right. going to leave. I'm trying oh, to go back home. I'm trying I to get the hell out of here. Go back home. I've had enough fun. What? Trotsky in Alabama. Everybody you are on with Keyshawn J. Willemax. We are presented by Progressive Insurance, and Harry Douglas is in for Key today. What's up, Trotsky? Hey, what's up, fellas? Hey, welcome back, Jay. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it, baby. Hey, hey, okay. First of all, being from the South, man, ain't nothing like, uh, especially during college football, it's nothing like a Saturday because the whole day revolves around a Saturday. Thank you. So, hey, I got to... Hey, I got a question, though. Do you put an asterisk by Sunday if it's a three-day weekend? Hmm. Hmm. I don't think that changes Sunday, though, right? Because Sunday I mean, you still does, used it up. When does the three – so the three-day weekends typically start, was that, Friday? Yeah, Saturday? Friday. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're saying on Monday. Monday off. Monday. Yeah, Monday off, Monday off, Saturday. Sunday is super Saturday. Yeah, super. That's – Yeah. Well, that's an experience like summertime, right? Like when I get to Sunday now, I'm like – Oh, hey, what we got today? What's popping? Everybody else is like, whoa, it's me. I'm walking around like, why did you move your body like that? It's like, oh, hey, doing the the electric boogie. Everybody else is coming back from church. I'm like, I'm going to the club. All of a sudden he was turbo. Where's the Sunday brunch at? Jay, Where's the bottomless Jay looked like, looked like crazy legs about to get down and do some windmills or something. Jay looked like them Jones legs. had the car shops with the air flowing through them and all that. Yes. <laughs> but, I, but I agree with him. I, I was waiting all this time for someone to call in and say something about a Saturday. Deep down in the South, we cherish Saturdays. And I, love, and I love Sundays. Now, I love Sundays, but Sundays is three for me. Saturday is number one. 
and then I'll go with Friday being number two. But when you think about college football and what it has meant to people in the South, man, Saturdays are amazing. Everything, this is very simple, and I'm surprised people are, not surprised, but people are really overthinking it. The value of the day has to do with its association with free time, okay? So number one, free time. And then you can count in things like anticipation of the next day, whatever. Saturday is number one because not only do you have zero work, but the next day is off too. So you can also stay up late, right? Sunday, you have no work, but you can't stay up late without paying for it. So that's number two. Friday is number three because you can stay up late, but you've been working all day to get up early. Thursday is four. Wednesday is five, Tuesday is six, and Monday is seven. It's the worst day because you have the whole week in front of you. This ain't that hard. I don't know, man. I, I sometimes think that Wednesdays are the worst day. Yeah, I, I don't know. Hump how day. Su- hump su- day. Yeah, hump day. Wednesdays are tough for me, man. Because you've like, already been at Monday, it. Monday, I'm like, Maybe I, I haven't like thought it, about it hard enough. Like, I come out with these, all yep. these motivational tweets about attack your week. And then Tuesday, I'm coming off that. I'm like, all right, I'm still fighting. I'm swinging. And then Wednesday, it's like, I, those, those, I, body I shots, those body I shots catch. Uh, you're waiting for your second wind. Leaning against the ropes, just taking hits. <laughs> then you're giving me a long-winded story. I'm falling asleep. Just <laughs> 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 trying to get to Thursday, damn it. I just want to get to Thursday. Just, oh, oh, man. Uh, that is, well, maybe I haven't thought about it enough. That is true. Wednesday, you have to count in the cumulative effect mm. of the work week by then. Yes. Whereas really Monday, it. <clears throat> you have been restored by the weekend. Also... The best argument for Friday, which no one has made until me right now, of course. So wait, now, now you're about to make the best argument for Friday, yes. which is the, okay. Is that what I said earlier? Priceless. Sunday, you don't have to work and you can sleep in. However, you, you, if you stay up late, you do so with the knowledge that you will be paying for it the next day. Friday, you have to get up early and work all day. However, you can stay up late. And know you're good the next day. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of value in the staying Can up I tell late you why on Friday. Else I like Friday. What's that? Because Friday nights, also personally, right? Mm-hmm. I get the babysitter. Oh, daddy and mommy are out. Yeah, oh, are, I see. We are. Kidding uh, if it. you love your children, you will value Sundays over Fridays. Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. I, oh, I'm I, sorry. I, 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 va- I value the relationship with my wife because that makes ah. us better parents Ooh, on the he weekend. Flipped it on because me. we have more oh. time for us. Ooh. Oh, he flipped it on me. You see what he did? And do it. I we tried to go. I tried to go see? with the relationship with the kids. He flipped it on We're me about the wife. When we value we our have house. us a love doctor. Love doctor J. Will in Get the house. It? Tell him, Harry. <laughs> Tell him. Listen, you have to value the time with the wife. Trust. Me. David Trust in me. Illinois. David in Dave, Illinois. Are you there? Okay. So the way I look at this, okay, is you got to take each day as what is a typical day. And if that was your last day, what would you want to do? So Saturday, sleep in, go play golf, go, you know, watch uh, college football all day long. And then the UFC at night. So that's number one. Right. Sunday, get up, go to church, um, golf again. Watch Have NFL all day long. Don't forget your brunch. Okay. Are you yep. in a relationship? Well, yeah, your brunch. Right, exactly. Yeah. Then you got Friday of night. Of course he's in a relationship. What do you think he's doing at the golf course all day? <laughs> go ahead, David. But then then Thursday, but then, Max, here's the only place Uh-oh. that you're wrong. And okay. I, I like to say that you're wrong a lot, but this case, it's only a little bit. Okay. Monday is five because you got Monday night football. That's a good point, so but here's my, here's my Monday issue. Monday night football to look forward David, to. David, here's my issue. Monday night football, oh, I've stayed tough. up. I work early, early in the morning. So Sunday I've already done that, and Monday I'm tired. 
that back-to-back when I'm staying up late to watch Monday Night Football and I know I'm going to be up at 4 in the morning on a Tuesday, that hurts me. So Mondays, I, I, I like the game, but I'm kind of dreading what it's going to do to me the next day, to be honest. So, so there it is. But I, he makes a good point. You do have Monday Night Football. See, David's life revolves around watching football and playing golf. golf yeah. There's I mean, nothing. I mean, like, life look, well spent, right? Look, yeah. I, I, I love golf. I mean, just 18 holes, man. That's, that's at least four and a half hours. No, I can't, you, I can't do that. Like, and my wife is like, uh, no, uh, uh, no. I'm like, but please. That's too much time out of my day. I, I, I believe there oh, I was an Everybody Loves Raymond where she, the, like, the wife went on to, went to play golf with him, like something they could share. But the whole point oh, was he needs a little away. alone time. You want to get yeah. away. You know how, much, guy time. You know how much film I could watch in four hours of playing damn golf? I said, people are like, oh, what do you do for Father's Day? <laughs> you know I'm like, why Harry loves play. You know why Harry – you know why Harry stick. doesn't have to get I'm through gone. the day? He has the right attitude. Because if all you're looking to do is get through every day, you're waiting to die. Harry is life. living his life. He's, yeah, he's embracing life. every day. However, that's because, you know when they say if you, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life? That's how I feel. Harry legit loves watching tape of football. Like, love it. So he's like, in my spare time, I'd like to be doing my job. So you really don't work. I, I did it yesterday at the hotel. I was sitting in the hotel. I messed around and uh, dozed off for like 10 minutes, and I woke back up. Oh, I had to rewind the film and go back to what I missed. But I, I enjoyed it. It never feels like work to me. That's how Dude, I feel about watching fights. Huh? That's how you watch fights? No, I'm saying, like, if I could do anything with my spare time, anything at all, I'll watch a great fight, or, or or I love watching the Yankees, man. In my vacation time, I watch the Yankees, which I don't get to talk about as much because it's not as popular. Can as I tell you what I'm loving to do? Watch, like now that my kids are getting slightly older, yeah, like watching sporting events with my kids. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I mean, because I get a chance to teach my kids, That's big. and I'm paying attention to the game at a different level too. Yep. Football, basketball doesn't matter. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. What's the goat day of the week? Eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Say ESPN. Does Tom Brady have enough in him to win the Super Bowl again? Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.